Welcome to the Reimagine Teaching Podcast, a podcast for teachers um, about teaching and reimagining a better future for educators and students alike. I am so excited about today's episode. Um, I, we have Rebecca Stevens with us today. So welcome, Rebecca. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be with you. I do. I appreciate your time. I know that you are busy um, and you are here today. Actually, you are um, a member of our school board, our public school board here in Kenosha. So we'll talk a little bit about that position. Usually I'm talking to teachers and I'm like, what's your job? But I know for you, this is separate from your career. But I appreciate you taking the time um, to talk about school leadership, because I think for me, especially, I um, it's hard for me to get super invested in school leadership and school politics because it feels like one more thing to invest my time and energy into. Yeah. There's like the daily classroom, you know, stuff. And then the bigger picture stuff I have to deal with because I see yes. my students year after year. And then my personal, you know, and school leadership, school politics stuff feels so separate. I'm really excited to have the conversation because it's one of the things that I know the value of investing into it and being more engaged with it. I just have not had the capacity. And so good time to talk to you about it. I think will be really fun. We always start the episodes, though. It doesn't have to be education related, but what is bringing you joy lately? Ah, my grandkids. <laughs> I think that is my source, my my biggest source of joy. It's just so much fun watching them grow up and all the ages and stages. And that's awesome. Yeah, I um, I'm exhausted today. I spent a couple hours yesterday and a couple hours today in my classroom um, getting stuff ready because the beginning of the year for ESL teachers is so much paperwork and so much collaboration. I decided to go in early and set up my classroom with less distraction. Um, but this is the first year I'm starting my eighth year teaching. This is the first year oh. I get my own classroom. Oh, wow. Thank goodness. I know. And oh this is gosh. the In eight years. Because hmm. ESL <sighs> teachers so often are pushing into classes. And so yeah. we don't get our own because yeah. everybody um I had my own space during COVID but it was an office and little tiny they asked me to <laughs> safely teach six students in a tiny five foot by five foot office during COVID at a time that was probably not safe but like to have my own classroom where there's space to move things around um and like I get to decorate and don't feel like I have to hold space for another person in there um yeah. is so i'm so it's so exciting yeah, so awesome. yesterday we moved furniture and then today uh my friend came with me because we had the baby and just organized and hung stuff up and i made a <laughs> back on tiktok i made a tiktok of <laughs> the baby like sharpening pencils <laughs> like, what happens when your mom's a teacher you get oh, put I to didn't... work I haven't seen that one yet. I got to see that I'll one. Send it, to you. it was very funny. Um, <laughs> I love it. No, for the most part, she just wanted, she just watched me walk around, pace around the room and put stuff away. But we were like, <laughs> you're here, you got to work. Um, yeah, but that'll be really, I'm really, really excited to have my own space and really hoping that it stays. I also have moved classrooms every year that I've taught. <laughs> and yeah. that's exhausting. That's an exhausting way it to start is. the year. Because you got to pack it up every at the end of each year and start all over and you never know what the space is going to be. Oh, yay. I'm so glad you so, got your own classroom. I know. I am too. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing related, I, um, and we've talked about this before, I think. Last year at the beginning of the year, I was um, 
providing ramen noodles for my students. Um, and we said our classroom motto was this classroom runs on ramen and chisme, which is like gossip in Spanish. Um, but I was told halfway through the year I couldn't have kids in my room for lunch anymore. Um, yeah, I do recall that, which is very strange. And was asked not to feed them during my class either, because then other kids were trying to get into my room to get food. It was a whole thing. So I just, and I was pregnant and I was like, I don't, can't deal. Um, yeah. This year though, I have my class is first hour. And so I was like, great, come right here and you can eat. So I posted on Facebook our classroom wish list, which is a whole separate ordeal. But here's some things that would make your classroom run better. Um, and I always put boxes of ramen on there and they're on sale right now. Like uh -huh. seven, seven boxes of ramen coming already. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, so I was, I know and it's, and I was talking to my like seven or $8 for 24 packs of ramen is the cheapest, most filling meal. There's not a lot of like vitamins, but yeah. if I bring granola bars. I eat, eat five. And yeah, but then, so, I mean, and the kids don't mind having ramen for breakfast so they can come in and eat breakfast and we'll do class. Yep. But I had to like, when I was trying to set up the classroom today, I was like, I guess that'll be where all the ramen is stored. Cause we have so much coming <laughs> in that it. we're going to need it. Um, <laughs> so that, but that was really cool. And it's cool to see my community, my friends and family supporting us like that. Yeah. Well, and kids need food to eat and ramen seems to do the trick so their brains can work. Otherwise, right. what's the alternative? An empty stomach and not being able to concentrate or think. Right. Or they're late to school because they stopped for food on the way. For me, yep. having first hour, if I as soon as I know, hey, just get here and I'll feed you. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. they will come and they'll be on time. And yeah, so we set up, my mom helped me. We I have, we have a couch as well. So we have our little like living room dorm corner, mm -hmm. the couch and the microwave. Yeah. And was able to, a couple of people bought me some posters, you know, so happy to see you. Glad you're here. Stuff for that corner. So that'll be really fun. That's awesome. I think I've talked about like every other episode on the podcast. I don't understand why feeding children is a bad thing. But I so, <laughs> so I wanted to tell the story really quick before we get into the um, into it about how we met. And I don't know if you remember that night, but mm. you were so you were friends with my mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, and it was right. It had to have been before COVID. Yeah, yeah, it was before COVID. Um, so we had just, Joe and I had just started dating and she invited me to come over and you were over at the house and she's like, oh, one of my friends, we're going to have some wine. And so I came over, had a glass of wine and was talking about the situation I was in at the school I was at at the time, which was not a good situation for me. And I just kept going on and on. And you were so sweet. You were asking questions. My, you know, my mother-in-law, we're all talking. And then you left and she goes, oh yeah, she's on the school board. And I was like, <laughs> you didn't tell me that and i was just I forgotten <laughs> and so but you were so professional about it you texted me or messaged me later and you were like if you ever want to talk in a professional capacity about your concerns <laughs> let me know but it was just so funny that i uh yeah. it was so easy to talk to you and not knowing you were on the school board and then later we did meet and professionally and and talk about it but that was just so funny i was like i spent the whole night complaining about the school i'm teaching at right now <laughs> <laughs> to someone on the school board oh my goodness not a problem i like to try to listen and problem solve that's for sure oh my goodness i wanted to say through covid then that was really the first time i've watched school board meetings i think for a lot of people yeah. especially in our community um because we had 
um, you know, the COVID situation, the lockdown situation. And then we also had um, all of the riots and stuff. So the school I was teaching at the time was just a couple blocks from the buildings that had been burned down. And so all of the conversation of when are we going to come back? Are we going to come back? Um, you know, for us, we were like, is it you know, going to be safe to be in the building? Yeah. Um, there were then court dates after the riot for some people who yep. were arrested during the riots. And we are close enough to the courthouse that we had to be virtual for a day. We had the, um, what's it called? The military used our parking lot one day. It was so um, Isn't that insane to think oh, about? Yeah. Yeah. I looked outside my classroom and there was a tank outside. Oh my gosh. Um, but all of that was really tense for the district. And so that was really when I started watching school board meetings and spoke at a school board meeting, a uh, virtual one. Um, just because it was like, it felt, it was like, oh, these are the people who are making the decisions you know, yeah. about us. Um, whereas most of the time it feels like this is how education works and there's not that many choices to be made. But that at that point I was like, oh, there is like, it's a big deal. On top of knowing you personally, my husband and I were always cheering for you during those meetings because you <laughs> conduct yourself Thank very you. professionally, but very honestly and truthfully. And we really... Um, First, have a lot of respect for you in that capacity. We really appreciated oh, thank you. your voice in that. Um, so I wanted to ask, like, how long have you been on the school board? I didn't go to public school when I was in high school. But yeah. so how long have you been on the school board? I believe I'm in my 17th year. So I think I'm the longest standing school board member in Kenosha ever. So, but uh, yeah, I just keep running because I want to just, keep trying to make a positive change and positive impact. Yeah. And it's such an important position people don't understand a lot of times, um, you know, the funding is tied up. There's things that we don't get that we want, but um, being supportive and, and thinking of ways you can support the staff in the classroom. I think that's what keeps me going. I used to work at an elementary school as liaison. And so, and this was years ago and, so I understand the challenges. I didn't before I worked and did home visits and things of that nature. So I thought that was a good reason to be involved on the school board too, to be able to offer support because people don't realize all the things that teachers do, especially in an um, inner city school, but all schools meet challenges that are just way above and beyond. And our staff deals with it day in and day out. Man, it is not, it's, it's not like it used to be. So. Yeah. And I know then you have your grandkids entered school. And so for you yeah. then to say, I'm still running for school board because I want to influence the kind of district they're growing up in. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're the future too. So yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> um, what originally, I guess kind of two parts, what brought you to wanting to be on a school board? And then what does that process look like? Like I said, I, this is so new to like, I know there's school boards and they just make decisions. And during COVID actually, my husband, he gets frustrated. He's like, I'm just going to run for school board. And I was like, I think you can, like, I don't know what the process is. I've never considered it. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Every time he gets heated up about something, I'm like, you can run school board. There was something at church. I'm like, you could do it. He's like, yeah. Nah. So, but, so what brought you to doing, to wanting to be on the school board to begin with? Well, I think, um, you know, I was always involved in my children's schools um, and working, helping to support the PTAs, the PTOs. 
um, all the different ages and stages. I went through that with them and I saw how important that was to have that and to be able to go into the schools and actually support what happens in that classroom. Um, and then, as I said later, then I worked for the school, for a local elementary school and I did home visits. And I guess, you know, I really learned a lot more about our community as a whole and some of the issues that some children face that it's just most adults wouldn't be able to handle. Right. And so my passion for that is I, I, I couldn't be in the trenches at that level any longer because I got burnt out. It just really was taxing. And I saw a lot of trauma and dealt with a lot of trauma with families and children, especially with the children. So at that point I decided, okay, it's time to do something else. And there were things going on with the, the local school board. And I thought, okay, you know, this seems like they, they could use somebody that's actually worked in the schools and actually been in the trenches and in, uh, in, and in the most tough neighborhoods. Right. And so I think it brings a different perspective. Um, it helps me better understand what the staff goes through and all the things that, I mean, we were just having that little conversation about giving them ramen in the, in the morning. So they right. have some eat. you know, it didn't used to be that way. Kids would, that they, they'd have something at least to eat before they left home or, right. you know, but, but the situation just offered itself. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. I don't know how long I'll do it. And here I am. <laughs> <how many people laughs> <are there. laughs> but it's been, um, it's been reward, rewarding, challenging, and very frustrating at times because mm -hmm. you want to be able to do more. Mm -hmm. That's the piece that um, when, when you have a lot of politics at, at the state and, and federal level where they're making mandates, but they're not funding, it's, it's really hard because it could be so much better if we, let's just take special education. Let's fund it. The first time I ran, I think it was at 27%, I want to say. That's right off the top of my head. It's been a long time. What are we at for funding for for federal funding for um, special education? I think 30-something now. It's just like it's such a small amount that we're funded for, but we're required to provide all the services legally. And right. that puts a lot of strain on, a, on a, uh, a, an education system that's already challenged in so many different ways and is not getting the proper funding because at the state level, there's bad politics and, right. and just, it just doesn't do anything good for, for anyone from that side, but mainly the kids and the teachers and the staff and the, in the classrooms. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, my position is so strange because our funding for ESL department mm -hmm. is a separate funding, similar to special ed, right? Yep. We're under, what is it? Title, I don't know. We have title funds, but specifically yep. for ESL. So then there becomes things like technology. If I say I need a class set of computers, does that come from technology funding or ESL funding? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and then, and so, I mean, there was a point where we had a class set and the technology, like IT department came in and said we couldn't use them anymore because they were outdated. But our ESL department didn't have the funds to replace them. And the IT department said it wasn't in their budget to replace them because it should be our department. Like, and it was frustrating for us as teachers to be like, I don't care where it comes from, but it's nobody's fault that the money is tied up in a specific bucket. Yeah. That we, and then, and there's conversations, budget conversations are always interesting to have with people outside of the school system. 
you know, kids are coming in that can't afford lunch. We're not paying for lunches for kids, but everybody gets a free Chromebook. Well, those are different grants. <laughs> yeah. 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 We had spare technology funds and we didn't have funds for her lunches. That's, and that's how it, you know, everything is earmarked and distributed yeah. in a certain way. And so it yeah. looks silly when we, you know, do something kind of outrageous with extra funds that we had in one bucket yep. and we're struggling in another, but you can't just transfer it from one to the other. No, no. And those, those funds, yeah, they're identified. They're, they're labeled for where they have to go. And so we have to treat them as so, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge because people don't understand the various funding streams and, and if the money runs out in that stream and it never gets replaced there right. goes and it, and we've seen that with programs too so yeah and it's hard with staff too i mean we have a lot of staff last year who were hired on grants and so if we don't get the grant again we don't have that staff member again being what that's what you know that's going to go by the wayside eventually here and that's one of the things we were able to hire extra staff to help and thank god we could because these kids came back and, and it, it's all oh, the challenges are great. So, yeah. but yeah, but if that, when that runs out, yep. you know, and then it gets personal. We had someone who was on a grant last year and we were like, we love him. We want him to stay, but if there's not funding for that position, yep. what, I, sorry, like we don't have a job for you. <laughs> yeah. And so that's really hard. But also I think for people who don't, follow the systems within the school district to realize it's not just one big bucket we all get to pick from yeah it and and it's it's very it's a complicated formula too. just the funding and how the sources all come together it's very complicated so it's something it's you have to really follow it and you have to be open-minded and listen to what the information that's being presented and we have been underfunded for at least 16 years i'm going into my 17th year so maybe the first year we might have been okay for funding you yeah. know as could be i'm i've always been appalled at the 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 lack of funding for a federal program like special education though i've always been appalled because so right. many of our could do so much better if they had that extra support and that's the that's the thing when you see like this person that you said okay they're not coming back because it was just a temporary funding source you get the those people that are really gifted with kids but yeah we can't find a way to carve out the money to keep them because our funding sources have dried up so yeah yeah and for our department at ESL level we hire roughly one ESL teacher per 30 kids and when you have eight or 10 of those are newcomers who just came to the country, I can't work with 30 kids at once if 10 of them are high needs, yep. right? There's no way, but there's, that's, you know, we don't have a scale system of need-based funding. It's head-based. And yeah. so we do a head count and that's how we get funding. And then, so for us, I mean, we have to get so creative with our, you know, I'm going to pull this kid for 15 minutes here. And then he's going to join my other group, which is way above his level, but I'll catch him up in, you know, 15 minutes after. And our schedules sometimes look crazy because we're like, we know kids need extra stuff, but we have also, we have to service all of our students. So it's a, it's a juggling balancing. Yeah. Act. 
Yeah, and the same is true in SPED. I mean, there's one person who has to provide so many minutes of service, and there's only so many minutes in a school day. Yeah. Um, in addition to like budget stuff, what are some of the other big um, like decisions and conversations that take place amongst the school board? Well, I think we're constantly looking at how can we improve the outcomes for students. I mean, that is ongoing, and that's an ongoing conversation that I will never stop. I don't. I believe in education. We need to celebrate our victories and our and, and the the things that really come off off well, but continue to so, try to try to solve some of those other issues that again when you look at the situation though if the funding's not there it's, there's only so far you can go being creative and i can tell you i mean i've seen the teachers so many of the teachers that i've worked with are extremely creative and they're getting these great results but there's only so far they can do it like you said with the challenges you face if you have a whole new group coming in and they're so far behind the other group with ESL, it's 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 like you do everything you possibly can, but but it spreads you very thin, and um, it's a constant balancing act. So, um, one of the things that I think, especially at the high school level, is having another prep time. There is not enough prep time for high school. This is this is ongoing, and and this is something that our teachers have been asking for at that high school level for a long time i don't even know how many years now but it if we could get that extra prep time you would see more success with your most successful teachers and with your teachers that are struggling more well and that that creative thinking the creative lesson planning takes time and energy yep and if you don't have the time i mean if you only have your 45 minute prep and you just have a bullet list of things to do there's no creativity happening. No, you have <laughs> to do it. And, it, and it. and when you have more prep time, you have a chance to talk to your counterparts that are teaching your, and you have a chance, oh, this, they, you have a chance to share with them. This works really well for me. What works well for you? And all of a sudden you get the synchronicity where people are coming around a common cause to improve the education, the outcomes, and sharing their best practices that they see that are actually working. Right. Um, that's huge. I mean, to have any company that's a huge company, they, they have those opportunities in business. Right. Because they're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again if it doesn't work right. Right. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. yeah so, but if you don't have the time to think about how to do it differently, then just yep. keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And that's not that's not healthy. It's just not healthy. And so we've got to figure out how are we going to figure out all those challenges with the lack of funding. And I'm hoping at some point there's going to be a difference in what happens at the state level. And, yeah. you know, I think there's like 500 million, I want to say, I can't remember how much is in the coffers up there, but it's all political. And that's our tax. We pay taxes. So it's important yeah. for people to um, reach out and have their voice heard. And that's one thing that Joe and I have kind of talked a little bit about schools, only because I, I went to a private school for middle school and high school, and then I went to ended up at a private college as well. You know, and he was like, are we sending our kids to private school? You know, I was like, well, for, no, for one, we pay taxes. So, and, I, you know, if we care about our community, then we should want our kids to be in and us to be involved in this community school. Um, 
like I said, you know, and it's one thing to say that, one thing to do it, but I, I do feel like, you know, that withdrawing from the public education system, which I know is becoming really popular, especially in our city, just hurts everyone. Yeah. For funding and for just less voices and less, like you said, collaboration or being feeling tied to your community. Yeah. Um, Plus a cultural mix of people that you have within this the system itself truly valued it it really makes a difference in our lives and enriches everyone to have those different types of relationships yeah and that's one of the best parts of my job is you know i'm a white woman who grew up in wisconsin but i teach esl so most of my students are hispanic and grew up in mexico um, or south america or texas and so there are cultural things that i know now and the kids are kind of shy about it in their classes if you know the class is mostly white kids but if i bring it up you know and i make a joke about it then we can explain you know i tell the kids oh yeah i'm gonna go get tacos and elote tonight and my co-teacher is like what is elote and then my kids are like let me tell you <laughs> what elote is and we're gonna fight about the best where to get it in town the best place to get it um yep. and so and that's one of the joys of co-teaching too, is then the kids who are not Hispanic in the room get to learn about elote. Like one day my co-teacher handed out, oh, those like hard cinnamon candies. Uh-huh. And she said, they're kind of spicy. And, you know, I said, they're cinnamon, Cin- like Mexican cinnamon stuff, like um, Abuela's hot chocolate is not spicy and spicy is different. My kids hated them. <laughs> hated them. They all spit them out. And they were like, that is not spicy and it's not good. <laughs> so then I brought in a bag of Mexican candy. And so we shared that with the teacher in the class. And they were like, this is good spicy candy. Not that. <laughs> yep. But those those interactions don't get to happen at schools where there's not so much diversity. Yeah. Um, and diversity is so important. And that's part of public education that really makes a lot of sense, too, that we embrace one another and our differences. Yeah. And figure out how we work together. It's it's a, a good life lesson. What has been some of the hardest parts of being on the school board for you? That's a lot of time to cover. I'm also going to ask the best. COVID was interesting and crazy. And I mean, I, I guess I, I really, I think it, it, it really woke me up to some of the Uh, perspectives that I wasn't Mm. aware of in our community and the politics and the politics that people get involved with. And, you know, why do they get involved with those politics? It really makes me think from that, that angle where I tend to be more listening to uh, a more balanced approach. I think, Um, I think it's so important that you try to weed out some of the noise and that's all it is it's noise and i'm being that's the nicest way i can say it i think and really focus on how is this impacting our children how is this impacting the staff the people in the buildings every single day is who i think about first because without them nothing else is going to happen and so to me and sometimes it's very frustrating because all i can do is listen I don't, you know, I don't have that magic wand. We don't, I know, (laughs) you know, I, and, but listening with compassion 
and understanding that no, this staff member is not complaining. This parent is not complaining. They are truly and sincerely care about the students and they want what's best for yeah. everyone, not just themselves. You yeah. know, they get that. And I think that COVID taught me a huge lesson from that standpoint that there are a lot of people out there that are not, you know, not going to embrace that. So we have to work around it and and do our best to make sure we continue to support all students. Yeah, that was one of the scariest parts for me during COVID was how, one, that not scary, but frustrating, the accusation that teachers don't care about their students. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh. I, I didn't wanna go back into the school building. I taught elementary at the time and I knew I was going back into an office where I was yeah. expected to teach six kids at once. There, there's no way we could stay three feet apart. On a good day, on a bad day, they're kids. They yep. have to get up and move and wiggle. And when they get excited, they run up to me and then they're like, oh, sorry. But to say that to say that I don't care about my students broke my heart. Yeah, it absolutely. But I and I, I did. I spoke to the school board in one of the Zoom meetings. I said, I can't care for my students, though, if I'm sick or dead. That's right. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I have, you know, I have a couple of chronic illnesses. Um, and thankfully, I never was diagnosed with COVID. And um, but my best friend had COVID and she now suffers from long COVID. That's affecting her job. Yep. And she yep. got COVID from, she wasn't in the school district, but she worked with families and um, kids. So she was going doing home visits and yep. she got COVID. And now, you know, on a, she maybe makes it a couple weeks before she has to take a sick day because her body is, gets worn down so fast. So we're not even 30 yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the at the time, it was scary to say, you know, because people I heard people say teachers need to suck it up and do their jobs. Um, you know, stop complaining. We're paying you to be in the building, so be in the building. And the lack of humanity, I think, given to teachers was really frustrating. Um, like I said, I love my students. I'm getting tons of boxes of ramen for my students, but also I want to be healthy. Otherwise, you're not going to be in the classroom making a right. difference that need it and yes we are we were delayed but that's where you need to look at the system and say okay system we right. were delayed okay so let's figure out how we work through this to get our kids where we need them to be and everybody across the country was in the same situation right. so that's where the dirty politics come in of just the trying to make a stand and yeah yeah and i know that was hard that was hard for you guys as a school board because we had multiple school board meetings that had to be canceled because of people showing up and refusing to follow protocols and yeah and if if a child would do something like that those same people would be all over that child but do they realize all our children were watching that craziness too right yeah and i, I just for listeners who are you know local i'm talking like and I'm, my memory is fuzzy, but parents showed up with signs and overpacked a room. And so you were asking them to leave just for COVID safety yep. and they refused to leave and they refused to quiet down. So you literally couldn't call the meeting to order because of the lack of <laughs> order in the room. And then you're mad that you guys didn't meet. It's like no decorum whatsoever. It's like, I'm here. It's a free for all. You're not listening to me. I'm the loudest voice in the room and you need to listen to me. 
And it wasn't. So I remember one lady even smacked a microphone from uh, somebody she disagreed with. And I was just like, this is crazy. This is just crazy on steroids. But I guess, you know, during a time of difficulties, I see I so you're, some people's real true personality comes out. And there was a lot of not pretty stuff there. Yeah. But it's been one of the hardest learning situations, I think, for all of us. Yeah. And we out how do we get back to that point where we can find areas to agree on instead of this constant disagree and rip up public education because public education is the foundation of this country right it's not going anywhere and, and you know look at what it what we used to learn back in first and second grade versus what they learn now and so you know every grade thereafter we're ahead of the game yeah yeah we always improve yes we can always do better but that's it we've got to have the right conditions and we've got to have the right support especially financially to be able to do that so if we truly are invested in all children yeah i feel that i mean i feel that for my students we were just um we just were in a training earlier this week and <clears throat> we were asked to name what character traits we wish our students had or okay mm -hmm behaviors and i'm sitting in this meeting with it's an optional meeting so um admins there and some of the teacher leaders of our school are there and they are saying things like i hope my students can be themselves i hope my students have perseverance i hope my you know some beautiful things and i'm thinking but that's not what you scold your students about or celebrate your students for i don't ever yeah. hear you when a student is in the hallway saying, I'm so glad you're persevering today. You say, why are you in the hallway? Get back to class, take your hat off. My kids have amazing perseverance to skip class. They have amazing negotiation skills about not attending class. Yep. Nobody is celebrating them for that. So don't come in a meeting and say, that's what we hope for from our students. Cause it's not it. You're hoping that they, especially my students being Hispanic and students of color have called it out. You want my students to sit quietly and follow rules. We mm -hmm. got in trouble for having, I got in trouble for having kids in my room for lunch because they were too loud. But the classroom across the hallway, which was a group of white students who were coming in for lunch, were singing Broadway songs and Disney songs during lunch. And my students, my students called it out. I teach high school, so they see it. They know. And they were, yeah, they were like, I'm sorry, they can sing Beauty and the Beast, but we can't listen to Bachata. That's just such a double standard and it's so wrong. If you truly so, want to be successful, you embrace them where they're yeah. at. Yeah. So when you say success for all students, that means for my kids who are loud and listen to bachata, they they're included in that. And they yeah. don't I mean, on one on this training the other day, I was like, my kids, you know, they need to feel like they're part of the school culture. My kids don't. That's they don't nice. feel like they're part of the school culture. Kids are the first people to pick up on those inequities. They'll be like, "Why? Wait a minute! We just got called out for that." But what are they doing down there? It sounded just like what we're doing over here. And um, unfortunately, those biases at times, and pe we the people that are running the show need to be called out on that if they're not getting it right. We have to find a way to make sure that they're called out, and that if you're one of the people calling them out, you don't get in trouble for speaking up for your students. Great leadership knows how to, to do that right. And then, and, and they make sure that doesn't happen. That's why leadership is so important at every building level 
I mean, that is one of the biggest things that can impact positive outcomes for all children. Right. Because they pick up on that right away if you're, if you're, you know, they'll point out your biases. I know I have several kids. And when I had my kids, if I said something and they weren't sure, they were, they were allowed to say, hey, wait a minute, mom, what about this, this, and this? And I'm like, okay, explain that to me. You know, because I had to learn too, because a lot's changed since I was in school and we need to accept that. And we need to remember that's what it's about. It's lifelong learning. It's yeah. not a fault. We're all supposed to be lifelong learners. And if that's the case, then let's embrace the differences, but not have our biases override. And that, and, and, and even if we don't realize we're doing it, learn that we have to change and grow yeah. in order to prevent that type of behavior. And that's one of the hardest things for like school level behavior management is that we have district policies that are biased or are, you know, not, not appropriate or don't fit students. Um, for one thing, for example, no hats allowed in school. That's a blanket rule across the district. Yeah. Yeah. Culturally, a do-rag is considered a hat. I have a brother who's black. And so, you know, he is trying to figure out how to manage his hair. And he said, I think I can do rags because if I get it, you know, coiled, then I need to cover it at night. He's like, do I cover it during the day? And we said, you can't cover it at school. But culturally, sometimes you have to let it set for 24 hours and it might be on a school day. <laughs> like That policy is re has been redesigned for this year. So Good. I'm glad it, to hear that. And I, it, it, we just did it a couple, I can't remember what, when, which meeting we did it, yeah. but take that because it did come forward and I don't, I, you know, we had emails about it. We had a lot of communication about it and, and the policy has been changed to reflect some of those cultural biases that were ingrained yeah. in the policy. And it was just, it wasn't updated. It had been, no one sat down and really talked to the kids about how why they you know like the way you explained your brother with the durax right. makes perfect sense it's like right you know you, would, like you wouldn't expect you know your grandma goes <laughs> your grandma goes and gets a perm you're not going to tell her to take it out early yeah but those kinds of things yeah are hard and then for me as a teacher i mean i know you personally and so i know i can contact you but you know previously or at my previous district if i'm like hey this is not equitable who do I talk to? Like, I go to my principal. My principal's like, man, eh, it's a district policy. Oh, okay. Yeah, policies, because that's really what the board is supposed to do. It's supposed to help guide those policies so that it's fair and balanced and, and really fits the times that we're living in and how we can um, be responsible through using that, that policy. And there's an awful lot of policy. So sometimes it's not easy to interpret either. That's why it's always good to ask questions though. I think one of the things that the policies that I'd like to see changed is all about handheld devices. Mm. That has caused so many issues in our schools. Mm. Uh, it's not that I'm against them. It's just, there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. And it's caused a lot of issues within schools and fights and things that could have been prevented. Those kinds of things are like there's a policy that needs to be looked at again and we need to, to revamp that policy because the teacher shouldn't have to be in front of class telling students to put away their handheld devices so they can teach. Right. That's simple. You leave it in your locker. 
you know, yeah. if you have to have it, leave it in your locker. Those are the rules. We need you to follow the rules because we don't want to constantly be interrupting teaching because kids are misusing them. And it's adults do it too. You get on the phone, you could be sitting there having a conversation one minute and a text pops up and all of a sudden, oh, I got to do this right away right. because you well, ding. It's like, yep. was it Pavlov's dogs or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wait yeah. a minute, it's harder than that. <laughs> There's so many policies because I think it was, oh my gosh, I think it was during COVID, our district was also looking at the policy about bathroom usage at yep. the same time, which is great because you had nothing else going on. Um, yeah, so that was, I mean, those two conversations at once. Um, but that, you know, those policies are outdated and we need to talk about it and look at it. Um, and then there's boring ones that, you know, and I don't know any examples off the top of my head, but like, oh, that policy hasn't been looked at in a minute. We should, but when you have so many, how do you? Yeah, they, they do go on a, a review, but it does help to hear from people and their perspectives because- right. There are so many policies that sometimes it's just a simple fact that we're going over all these other policies that we may have missed. And when an issue comes up, I find that it gets addressed that way. The other piece I look at is do people actually follow the policy? You know, the first place I would go as a leader of a building, if somebody brought an issue to me is a, I'll check school board policy because that's what's supposed to be guiding me, right? That doesn't always happen. And, and then there's the exception sometimes where things just happen and it was completely innocent on someone's part. Yeah. So you have to be able to discern those things, but I think we can do a lot better in the area of cell phones. And I'm glad we're, we've gotten some, the uh, update on the uh, dress code for going back yeah. to school. What has been some of the best parts of being on the school board? I think the things I like the best is when I go visit the schools and it's, that's where my heart and soul is seeing those kids that get excited. They're happy. They're learning, they're growing. Um, in my, my day job, I get to run a mentoring program, mm -hmm. um, for a local place. Um, AmeriCorps seniors, we, we have a grant, um, for RSVP retired and senior program. And that is like the joy of everything I do because I get these mentors that work with children that just need that special person in their life. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we're, we're not, um, we're not doing miracles. We're just making great connections. And these kids get this extra someone in their life that just shows up half an hour, 45 minutes a week to sit with them and talk to them, play games with them, if they need some help with something they're working on. I mean, it's just fabulous. And I, when I get to do those, what we call the mentor match meetings, because that's part of our process. And the first time where you walk in a room and you talk to the counselor, you hear a little bit about the student, the counselor shares the information with you and the mentor. And then we say, okay, would you like to meet the student? And when these when they meet and it's just like this magic fit <laughs> yeah. and more than not, it is, it's, it's just, so I think I, I, and I just appreciate that so much that the social workers, counselors, whoever are running these programs take the time out of their busy schedules to be able to fit this in. Cause they know how important it is for somebody to have these kids to have this special person in their life. So I've got people that have started in first grade that now their kids going into 
senior year, I mean, they follow them and they stick, the, and, and the kids have to agree, the parent has to agree, the school has to agree, and the mentor has to agree. I think I see that relationships and how, and again, a good leader understands how important good, solid relationships are and having, letting, and, and, and accepting other people's point of view and helping us to gather together to look at it from a viewpoint that is healthy and strong. Um, and that's what builds those relationships. That's, that's the highlight of what I do. So I get to be on both sides of the fence there. Um, yeah, I love that. I'll, I'll have to send you an email. You'll have to come in and see our class one time. I, think I, would, have a love, class. I would love to, you just let me know. Um, yeah, the mentorship, the relationship with students is my favorite part about being an ESL teacher. Um, because yeah. at any other most teaching positions, you have kids for a year and then they move on to another grade, um, and another teacher. And I get to work with my students all four years, and so, or you know, however many years. So, I when I started in the district was at an elementary school for three years, and then I switched to high school. So, this year, I will have freshmen that I taught for two years in the elementary. So, this will be oh, their oh, third oh. year with me. I miss, I don't do middle school. They miss me for middle school and then now they're back. So last night was freshman night and there's a couple, I, I look completely different. My hair is bright. I, you know, I am married. So on their schedule, you know, they have me when I, with my maiden name and my name's different yeah. now. Yeah. But I, I recognize, I always go through the list to remind myself of names and I recognize them. So I called a couple kids and they were like, who said my name? And I was like, hey, come here real quick. And I was like, hey, you know, I was like, I was Miss Worley. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Love that. But that's, it's so cool to be able to follow the kids and say, you know, I'll have kids this year at the high school that I had as freshmen and now they're juniors. And to be like, yeah, I remember when you were, you know, we've been doing this for three years, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and relationships yeah. with parents too, then uh, for me is really like, I know your family. Or if we don't have a relationship with their family, I know what's been going on. Yes, yeah. For some students, you know, they have a whole new set of staff or one of our kids is ESL and special ed and he has a new case manager this year. Mm -hmm. is it, I, you know, I'm like, is it okay if I tell her what's been going on, you know, at home the last couple of years, there's been a lot of custody stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm like, or do you want to tell her? And he's like, oh no, you can't. He's like, I don't want to go through it all with her. Yeah, but because yep. we hold those stories for our students, you know, with permission, yep. we can share and advocate on their behalf. Yes, and say, you know, I know because I was with him when it started. That was really hard for him. Yeah, you know, you know, and to to advocate for our students, it's just a really special position we have because we get to follow that and put that together. Whereas when yeah. it just gets handed from one teacher to another, oh, he had a really hard year in third grade. Well, yeah, that was the year that this happened and this happened and this happened and yep. Um, you see not, beyond the doors of the school and you hold that in confidence and, and in support for the student. And that's where those relationships are so positive because yeah. we've seen that turn things around. So with those teachers that possess those skills, they, they really help turn a lot of kids around. Yeah. And, and it's cool for us when their upper class are like freshmen come in and they're nervous about, you know, I'm like, Hey, if you need anything, ask. And they're like, mm, I don't know about this lady. The upper class can come in and they're like, I need a calculator and a notebook and three pencils. And I'm like, there, there, and there. And the freshmen see that. <laughs> oh, she wasn't joking. 
She That's will not... like help us. Like, that this wasn't is for real. Statement. That wasn't a statement. <laughs> So that's cool too that we have such a range where you know they can kind of the older kids can model like yeah this is what you know and I have kids I'll be like no nah, man you you just got here if you have a question this is what you do you write a pass to the ESL teacher you tell your teacher I need ESL support they say no you say legally I one kid was like yeah. we're gonna practice I legally it. I get ESL support it's like. <laughs> But yeah. you actually have to come to my room and not the bathroom for 30 Yeah, minutes. no playing around on the way. <laughs> so, but yeah, that is one of my favorite parts is that the relationships with students and their families and that we are, we get to follow them and, and build on yeah. that with them. And it just, it, it's such a, it makes such a difference to understand where your kids are, the kids you're working with that come from too. What? We end with next steps. And I don't have a good question for next steps. I guess what encouragement do you have for let's do teachers and not teachers? What encouragement do you have for teachers as far as you know policy and stuff is concerned? And then not teachers. And it might be the same advice. Hmm. So advice for next steps. Yeah. I think for teachers, I hope that my hope is that you can hold on and ride these rough times out that have been extremely, and I know the stories, so I still get, people tell me the stories and I get it because of the work that I did previously. But what I've seen is there's so much more demand for those kind of social services and there's not enough of that type of support. And it, and teachers pick up so many ins, um, and yet they perform at a level with teaching and and seeing these kids grow in their education and the outcomes for them are improving. And it takes a lot of energy to do that. Um, so I would just say, my hope is that you know you're valued, that you know that the community as a whole really understands and appreciates what you do. Um, we, you know, we talked about some of the same people that came constantly and, you know, they'll, they'll be negative about this, the school system, the public school system. But the facts are that teachers work really hard and they're in the trenches and they're doing their very best to help. So I think anything, anytime we can involve teachers with Having more prep time, especially at that high school level, that will help amazingly. Um, and because you can support one another too, and you guys can learn from each other, and you'll learn more about the students. If you have the same student one class hour and then and somebody else has them, you get time for that conversation. And then you get right. time to say, what works best? And that's the focus moving forward. We have to continue to, and relationships are extremely important. Yeah. So that's my hope that people will, the teachers and, and staff and the ESPs and everybody that works in those buildings understand how much great work they're doing and try yeah. not to get discouraged. We're going to get things. Eventually we will get through this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is hard though. I mean, I worked this week one, I worked three days this week and only one of those was paid because I know that those conversations, I mean, my, am I, position those conversations with my coworkers, workers and class room teachers have to happen next week 
but so did arranging desks and yeah. sorting school supplies. And so, um, yep. and I posted, yeah, I was like, you know, I just did an episode about not working unless you're getting paid and, you know, work the hours you're getting paid for. And then I went in extra. Um, but like you said, cause it's hard. You can't balance all that when it comes to prep time. If I know I have to meet with a case manager or a classroom teacher or a parent, yeah, that means planning and grading isn't happening. Right. There's no way I can do all of that at once. And then that has to happen somewhere else, usually unpaid. Yeah, it is. It is hard. But I do think I think our, our teachers union does a really good job of saying, hey, we need more time. Yes. <laughs> um, and they've done a great job advocating for that. In that, like, this is why and this is what on a personal level, our department has been asking or our, yeah, my coworkers have been asking for more time because we have to do so much paperwork outside of teaching. And, you know, we were asked to account for what are you doing during your prep? My coworkers were, that's a lot, one, that's a lot of work to ask us to detail everything we do during our prep in a week. Um, that's more effort. But I was like, fine, write it down then. Let them see everything yeah. we do in our prep in a week. And we had to do outside of our prep because we all had to stay late a couple of days to grade papers. Like, write it down. Yeah. Fine. I have this meeting and it was 40 minutes long. If you want me to make it shorter, that's not very relational to be like, you have exactly 22 minutes and then I have to use yeah. that. But fine. I mean, and I, I was like, I'll write it down. I'll tell them exactly what I'm doing with every minute because none of it's unimportant. Yeah. You know, when I, and they're like, well, you shouldn't have, you know, I had kids coming in for my prep. Well, you shouldn't have kids coming in for your prep. Great. When do I help them finish their math test? Cause that's also a federally mandated accommodation they get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me where that's supposed to happen. Yeah, you have to be realistic about there's only so many hours in a day when you're working with children, especially the kids that have the higher needs. Yeah. That takes more time. I mean, that doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they like... literally just need more time. <laughs> well, can't they do it by themselves? Sure. But having Google Translate load takes time. It's still time. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's that Again, though, when you go back to it with the kids that are learning, the support they get through that extra relationship and having not, I mean, if a teacher is constantly stressed because they have to move on to the next kid continuously, but they know this other child still needs a little more help to be able to really grasp that concept, right? Mm -hmm. And perfect it. It's easier if you have more time to do that now than it is when later, when when they're past that point and they've just yeah. gotten so frustrated they give up. So and I mean I do I do math now and I'm teaching algebra one. I teach algebra one geometry and algebra two, but my algebra one kids, I'm like, we do algebra one in every high school math class. Please don't tune out. Because solving equations is in every class. But if they missed it or they didn't get it the first time, yep. or we didn't have time to really help them get it, yep. then I'm reaching it next year anyway. But can yep. we just slow down? They yep. need to get this thing because it's going to come up so many times. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like you said, it's less time ultimately if they it get is. it. <laughs> With a couple and extra you, hours of effort. You empower a student to know that they can learn. And and that takes more time with some of our kiddos too. So if we can do it when they're younger and they can grasp those concepts, they have the building blocks to move forward to the next level or to at least challenge themselves to go to a higher level too. 
because they're yeah. going to be more confident. Who who wants to go to to work every day and feel like you're, you know, you just can't do the job, right? Right. Yeah. People wouldn't show up. I mean, nope. it's like, and it's the same thing. That's their job. They come to school. They're trying to learn. But if they feel like they're constantly not getting it, then it's going to be a heck of a lot more frustrating, and the results aren't as good. So. Yeah. I think it's just having that more time. It, it, relationships are every bit as important in order to accomplish that too. So yeah. I'm going to share, I have a next step or request for people who are not teachers. And this came up, like I said, like we said so much during COVID that people who are not teachers, parents or other um, community members spoke up at the school board meeting and were emailing school board members about policies that needs to happen all the time, whether you have children mm-hmm. system or not. To be following, I mean, at that point, I was kind of, you know, I was telling my family and friends who weren't following the school board, this is affecting me. How mm-hmm. those will affect me? Can you yeah. follow and, you know, contact some people and, you know, because this affects me and your friends who have kids and, you know, our community as a whole. And so it is, it's hard sometimes for me when, you know, right now the school board and the union are talking about, um, teacher pay yeah and you know well it doesn't affect my mom because she doesn't work for the school district but it affects me and you know whether like it that affects my livelihood and so you should it yes. should matter to you and your mom's paying taxes right so and that too right it's being taxed for it yeah that you look where your money's going and yep. if it's not going where you want it to you get to speak up our union does a pretty good job of giving out information about how to contact school board members. But I think for the general public, people don't know you can just contact school board members. Yeah. You know, or there's community hearing sessions or there's, unless you're actively searching for those, it's hard to know that they're out there. But I encourage people who are listening to the podcast to look for those opportunities. And get involved. Spend some time. Volunteer at a school. Yeah. you know, if you're 55 and up, I can sign you up if you're interested in mentoring. Yeah. And I say that because people, it really opens a lot of people's eyes because, and then they realize the value that they're adding by being a volunteer at that school for that particular student. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, and the other piece when we're looking at just the overall tone of how we need to respect and honor the fact that people work really hard in education, you know, it, it, just respecting it as what it is. It prepares people for all different types of jobs in their lives. Right. And they get that good, good foundation and go out there and make it in the world yeah. and, and, and do your part. So. And there's the- been a couple family members of mine who have heard and repeated rhetoric about teachers just don't want to work or teachers are just greedy. Um, and I have, you know, Hey, I'm going to my classroom this week. Can you come help me? Come watch me move desks for an hour and tell yeah. me I don't want to work, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, or I'll post on social media. Like, like I said, I brought my daughter with me today. And so I posted on social media, you know, a silly little video of her, but it's also like, don't, don't, you know, and, and my family will say things, you know, like, oh, teachers don't want to work. Do you think I don't want to work? Well, not you. And I'm like, but that's who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And for, you know, for people in the community to say, you know, well, generalizations in general are never 
going to be always accurate, but it hurts the community as a whole. And it hurt I mean, yes. me personally during COVID to hear people say that. I'm like, do you think that I'm lazy and just want to stay in bed all the time? Yeah. No, it's just, it's not productive and it's very, it's just sad. It's mean. And, and it's, it's not true. So, yeah. And I think that's, that's really, I think when we're moving forward too, I've now that I'm, if we want to talk about a, 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 an area we're working on right now is the right sizing because our birth rates are so low and mm-hmm. we've got, so that's, that's a big challenge right now that we're going to face moving forward because we're not going to be able to keep all the schools open. So right sizing is the name that it should be called because it's, just we have to use our tax dollars wisely right Uh, and that's gonna that's gonna take up a considerable part of um, everyone's time so um, I'm always looking for um, staff input too so yeah keep that in mind yeah keep that in mind yeah I know we closed one school this summer um, which was sad for a lot of people, but like yeah. you said, yeah. and it and it made some significant changes at other buildings because we yep. had to go somewhere. But like you said, yep. yeah, our enrollment has been down year after year. Um, the birth rate um, globally is down, so it's right. not it's everybody's feeling it, and it's a process we're going to have to go through, and it's going to be tough for for a lot of people. But um, hopefully, they can get on board and realize that we're doing the right thing and, and moving things forward so that we can address some of these other financial issues that, so that's my hope. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for the last 17 years. Like I said, <laughs> I personally really appreciated your service and leadership, especially through COVID because that was hard for everybody. So I appreciate, um, I appreciate you and spending your time on that. Thank you. Appreciate um, being a teacher. <laughs> Thank you. I know eight. The eighth year this year, and statistically, most teachers have been quitting in less than five. So I feel pretty good. I made the mark. I can't um, believe it. Here's already that. It's don't you look and where'd the time go? I know, right? <laughs> and at the same time, I'm like, I feel so old. How was I ever a teacher at 22? Now I'm so like jaded, not jaded, but I'm like. What are you going to do the first week of school? I don't know. I got slides somewhere, I'm sure. (laughs) You got this. I did tell Joe, though, this year, being a new mom, I'll have to pump while I'm at work. So I'll Uh have to sign up on my... That's why I got my own classroom was I had requested. And I I copied the school board policy and said, I get a space. If it's in my own classroom, that's preferred. (laughs) And I'll probably put that on the side on my door, too. But I told my husband, I was like, my kids don't read signs or they read it and think they don't it doesn't apply to them so i have to be yeah, really clear course. and be like when the sign says mom at work <laughs> that means do not interrupt me <laughs> unless there's a catastrophic emergency that only i can solve yeah. and forgetting your coat is not one of those yeah that's on you uh, but <laughs> yeah <I'm> that <laughs> Our kids struggle, our students struggle with personal boundaries anyway. So that'll be, that's on my first week agenda. Do not, do not interrupt. It's going to be awkward for both of us. All those social things that teachers have to teach, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. But yeah, and I was like, I'll put the school board policy on the bottom too. Because sometimes it's other teachers who are like, yeah, there's been times like, you know, I'm in my room and the door is shut and kids are pounding on the window and I just shake my head no. So then a teacher lets them in. No, it was no. no. Yeah, there's no. Yeah. So, 
Um, you gotta, you gotta educate the educated too. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the, the kids will be, you know, mom at work and for the teachers, it'll be the school board policy. Yeah. You want to fight me, come fight me. Um, well, the podcast, I'm so excited. Other episodes are found on all streaming platforms called Reimagine Teaching. Our logo is white with a big RT. Um, we are on Instagram at reimagine.teaching and on TikTok. I've reactivated my TikTok so you can, but it's the same thing as Instagram, same content. Um, we also have, I just opened a Redbubble store. I don't know if you know what Redbubble is. It's an online store. So there's stickers and t-shirts there. I just bought some stickers for my work laptop and it says, I'm so glad you're here. And another one says, oh, it's just the logo, but there's some cute stuff and I'll be working on other stuff. So you can check out Reimagine Teaching on Redbubble as well. Thank you again, Rebecca, for your time. Right. I hope you. that you're enjoying the last couple of weeks of summer before your mentoring stuff takes off. Yeah. Yeah. And we are back to work next week. So gonna All enjoy right. And wish you the best. Like, keep me posted. We'll do. <laughs> Talk to you All later. Right.